It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Long Time No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey, and welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith With. It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org, Consequence, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks, as always, for making your way here and checking out the uh, the series and this episode. I, I do hope you'll, of course, hit that subscribe button. I put out three new interviews every single week, a brand new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So it's a great way, of course, to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones at uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast, at NPR, WFPK. FBK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Recent episodes have included uh, Esty Hyam of Hyam, uh, Kara Jackson, the band Daughter. Uh, we talked about Extraction 2 with Golshifte Farahani and Sam Hargrave. Had country musician uh, Carly Pierce, uh, Josh Hami, the lead singer of Queens of the Stone Age, John Roberts from Bob's Burgers. Dave Davies of the Kinks, the band Inhaler, Stone Gossard of Pearl Jam, and the cast of City on Fire. Those are just recent episodes here at Kyle Meredith with. That's me, Kyle Meredith. Today, my guests, the cast of Outlander. I, I think this is the most guests I've ever had on one episode. David Barry, John Bell, Charles Vander Art, Joey Phillips, Izzy Moller Small, and producer Meryl Davis. We're all going to be discussing season seven. What we know now is the penultimate season. Uh, 16 episodes also makes it their biggest season yet. We're going to be talking about what all of that means. Uh, Vander Art Phillips and Moller Small are going to talk about what it's like to come into the cast at this point in the story. 
while uh, David and John were going to kind of dig into the really the emotional weight of playing these characters. In fact, they've been playing them uh, longer than uh, than any of these cast members so far. So what it's really meant to them. Uh, we're also going to hear about how uh, Joey and Izzy, they, they play these characters, their brother and sister Quakers. So I want to hear what that is, what their characters' experience is like in the backdrop of the American Revolution. And of course, we're also going to ask a big question of uh, would these people change history? Would these real people change history if given the chance? Uh, and on top of that, uh, Meryl Davis, again, she's a producer. She's going to talk about what this season does mean now that we know that the story is starting to wrap up. And maybe even more importantly to me, how she got Sinead O'Connor to sing the theme song. So with everybody involved, we're going to do this as a bit of a, a three-part episode. And we'll start with a trio. It's Kyle Meredith with David Barry, John Bell, and Charles Vander Arts of Outlander. Hi. Hi. Hello. Nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. Pleasure to meet all of you all, uh, and and the congratulations. What we've seen so far from uh, this new season, season seven of Outlander, is incredible, and all of the work that you're doing, uh, I'm loving it. So that's the compliments at the top. Thank you very yeah, much. Keep so coming. Flattery will get you yeah. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to start with the new guy, with, with Charles. Here you oh. are. Uh, we've got William now, a little bit more grown up, and mm-hmm. and and here you are now on the set. What was your experience like on that on that first day being part of something with so much history? No pun intended. Oh, I was just the worst. Everyone was so mean to me. Uh, no, no, no. It was it was fantastic. Uh, obviously, very very nerve wracking. There was a lot of anticipation built up in that. Um, but uh, everyone, the cast and crew was so lovely. You know, uh, they they really reassured me, particularly because he was terrible. And we had to lift him up <laughs> yeah. with our performances. Well, it's, yeah, yeah. So it's a lot of work on chain is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, fantastic. Came with a lot of confidence. Yeah, and what was your first scene? First scene is me and you, and then uh, yeah, yeah. that's not a spoiler, right? We we, we no, meet we, uh, we meet Brianna, yeah. Yeah. and then I have this kind of weird, familiar feeling with her, even though I don't know who she actually is, but she's my sister. Yeah, um, yeah it's a, it's a lot of layers to that scene, but I, I think we pulled it off all right. You have this, um, I don't know if it's tightrope is what I'm saying, but there there is complications. I'm sure that you have to play, but there's also a naivety. You know, in in what you're going to be faced with. I mean, how did you want to uh, approach William? Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, it, it's been a long time since we've seen William. He's done a lot of growing up, but he's still quite naive. He still um, he still doesn't know too much about the world and the realities of the world, and that that changes very quickly when he goes to war. Um, and I think there's a lot of frustration built in him, um, kind of with who with his family, the strange nature of both of his, his birth parents allegedly passing away, that he, you know, he doesn't really know who he is in this world. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of growth that happens in this season. He finds out a lot about the realities of the world and the realities of himself. So, yeah, so jam-packed season for that. Uh, David, I I'd heard you talk a little bit about how you felt this, um, and, and that you had to help shepherd him in. <laughs> Yes, uh, it's exhausting. Exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean when you talk about the responsibility of that, though? I mean, I mean, on one hand, you do have this character that you 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 know everything that that he doesn't, but at the same time, you also have a new actor that's a part of all of this. Look, what I really enjoyed playing this season was being a dad. Um, it's something that in my personal life that I I have uh, you know I spend a lot of my time with my son, and then to be able to bring that to set and play elements of that in, in the script and with my relationship with William was a real joy to play. 
Um, and of course, there's always a lot of complications being a parent. Um, you never know if you're doing the right thing. Um, and you feel a tremendous responsibility for the, uh, the person that um, you're, you're parenting and, and my adoptive son. And um, I, I couldn't have been more proud at some points and more disappointed with my son because um, that's what it's like to be a parent. Dad had to ruin it. <laughs> no, he, he was a good dad in Glasgow. You know, he made sure I was in bed on time and all that. I did. I tucked him in. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't the stepfather. He was the father that oh. stepped up. Whoa. Whoa. We have a poet amongst us. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to this new buddy show that you guys are going to start out. <laughs> oh, wow. Can you write it for us? <laughs> Chatbot, where are you? <laughs> um, but, but, you know, further on, seeing what you all do with the emotions that you play around with, I, you know, honestly, you know, some actors I know, you carry that with you through a whole seasons and some are able to let it go. What is it with you all? Because there are some really heavy emotional moments and especially... Uh, for for David, you and and John, who have you know carried these characters for so long, I mean, are you able to kind of turn that off afterwards? Yes and no. I mean, you do want to leave it behind, but you know, you, it's a it's a lot of you put yourself through a lot in these scenes, so to kind of shake it off, no, it does stay with you a little bit. Don't know. Mm -hmm. You like to take things from set. Like like the X and the uh, oh yeah, I used to literally take that and the car. You literally take it home with you. You'd probably take the whole costume home with you. Yeah, literally. Yeah. I mean, I probably would too. He's got some great outfits. Um, so, but look, I think the only thing that I really took home with me a lot other uh, you, you do take some of the emotional components too. But I had to take home a haircut, which was very long hair, which I grew out and uh, wasn't really pleased to have it for, for that long. But it was uh, what fans can really look forward to. Um, uh, collaboration with myself and the makeup team that had my real hair for Lord John. Ooh. I've since cut it um, with um, with prejudice, and, <laughs> and I'm back to the way I am. <laughs> uh, John, you know, I'll give it with young Ian too, and the way you play him uh, with his vulnerability. Um, maybe in contrast to how we think of of people from you know 200 years ago. How do you approach that? What is it like to walk that? Because because you are representing something in the present that I, I don't think we get, that we don't think about a lot in the past. Sure, um, yeah, uh, well, young Ian's very influenced by Jamie, who is himself a, a very modern man for that time. So uh, that that's his, you know, icon, that's who he looks up to. Um, so that kind of, that feeling amongst the family, that's, that's just how the Frasers roll, you know? <laughs> is, is there peace in young Ian? Because he seems to be sort of always at that struggle with himself. He, there's a lot of an inner turmoil for Ian, yeah. Whether that was not feeling like he belonged anywhere, um, whether that was love, lost. Um, but I think there is some peace finally for Ian on the horizon. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll love to see that. I know it's been uh, the supersized season too. I'd love to hear about that, you know, sort of in contrast. I mean, has it felt like a bigger workload? Yeah, well, we're coming off the back of a really tough season um, with COVID, um, where things were really, I think, it was credit to the production and, and uh, the everyone who worked through that, that season. We really pulled out all the stops to get that to the fans, and we wanted to keep the, the show going. Um, but, of course, that really kind of tied our hands with some things. Um, we couldn't get as much out as we wanted to. So we've carried a lot of what we were holding back in, in season six into season seven that um, people, uh, audiences can really look forward to. Um, so 
we've of course kept up the COVID protocols and all that kind of stuff. It's still very much a present issue for us when we film, but our hands were kind of, we were sort of able to unleash a bit and um, explore things that weren't available to us last season, as well as new relationships. Um, we get a lot closer, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, um, yeah, we've really ramped up the drama. Um, there's a war as well that I think fans are gonna be really excited to um, see that we've been building up to for several, several seasons. Mm -hmm. So um, I think there's a lot to be excited about. I can't wait to see some of that. And and knowing that there's going to be one more season now, the eighth and final season, what does that mean for you all? Because that's still on the horizon, but is that a process that you have to go through of the the starting to say goodbye, the, you know, the, the long story that we still get to tell? Yeah, it's a bittersweet moment for us all. I mean, we've given our heart and soul to this show for the past um, however many years, including the whole cast and crew uh, in that. So it will be it will be sad to see it go, but I think... Uh, we're incredibly lucky to have the opportunity to to finish this correctly and not to toot our own trumpet, but I think we should be very proud of ourselves. You're a poet before you said that all good things must come to an end. All good things must come to an end. And, you know, don't smile because it's, well, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. Smile because it happened. <laughs> you wrote all of that, right? Those are original lines. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Just off the dome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a pleasure talking to all three of you. I really can't wait for the buddy film to come out after this, too. Uh, congrats on an explosive season. I can't wait to see where the story goes as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we'll be right back right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky, in the Midwest, and allergies, yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice, it affects my mood, it affects everything. And I feel like I've tried every, I've tried all the medicines. Some of them work better than others, but there's, there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. It's what I use now, and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. With all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the, the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you too. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. We're talking to the uh, cast of Outlander about season seven. And now making our way over to uh, two new cast members, Joey Phillips and Izzy Moeller-Small, a uh, brother and sister that uh, just both happen to be Quakers. Hi. It's Outlander season seven. You get to part of the, be a part of this amazing story, an amazing cast. And I'm sure this has been the experience uh, as, as it has been for everybody else. What, what was it like? I mean, what was the preparation for, for both of you coming into this story? I think we prepared actually in quite a similar way. It's, there's obviously so much source material out there already that we could kind of dive into and really immerse ourselves in the world, like watching previous seasons. And then we both bought the books and kind of got to really explore the nuances of our character in a different way. Their sister's not twins, so they're obviously not the same as the book and the series, but it's always really helpful to have as much context as possible. Yeah, I thought you were talking about those sisters, not twins. Sisters, not twins. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, same same uh, process, really. Yeah, I, I found the books really, really helpful. It was just great to, to be able to delve deeper, like like Izzy said. And um, yeah, it was just, I guess it's slightly daunting joining a show that's so well established and has such a huge fan base. And these characters are already so loved and, mm. and so known in the, in the book. So you, you really want to do those characters justice so yeah it just adds a sort of a sprinkling of pressure on top <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that you know having the books you know I, I know that's not always the case that you might have something like that if you're anything like me when you read you have characters in mind how does it change it when you're the character that's a really good question yeah. i think um you read it in your own voice. I mean, I do this thing where when I'm reading books or scripts or whatever, I always like to pretend it's me because yeah, I think or, that's the most fun because then you can pretend how you would do a million different characters and it's kind of like, I don't know, it's like practice. Yeah. So I think it was fun to go in and read it knowing it was going to be you because, yeah, I don't know. It means that you can just play with it so much more and I think you immediately ha you kind of fall in love with your character a bit faster when you know it's yours yeah. and I think when you're reading it and like everything like bad or good that happens to them you're rooting for them <laughs> yeah absolutely and you feel that it's like a deeper connection now with that character and I just have so much love for for Denzel and for Rachel mm. and I, I I just feel really excited about their their storylines and and feel very fortunate to that we get the chance to to bring them to life on screen. And I feel like detective of them as well. Uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely. Like, it's a weird extended version of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Fun thing. Yeah. Well, there's such interesting characters. I mean, and and we should we should back up because you know, for the folks who haven't read the books, I mean, if, if you could, because because you're Quakers, um, I mean, let, let's hear who these characters are. I mean, Izzy, do you want to start there? Yeah, so we're um, we're a brother and sister. We're from a Quaker community, which means we're pacifists. So obviously with the backdrop of the war, that's a big point of conflict for both of us and kind of really informs our journey in the season. Rachel is very smart and loyal and kind, but she also is feisty and she's cheeky and she's a bit of a flirt. And so there's a lot of fun opposites within her to play against and I think you know she is very religious and very devout and that kind of 
cause a, a lot of conflict for her um, further along the line. You know, she's in a love triangle and she's been living with her brother in the middle of nowhere and suddenly there are all these boys and she's like, oh. <laughs> It's my time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, as Izzy said, you know, we're, we're brother and sister Quakers and uh, lived a very sort of peaceful, nice life and Denny is extremely protective of Rachel and you know loves her very dearly and and wants only the best for her and their parents died when they were very very young so he's kind of been a a father as well as a brother to her and what's really lovely is as the season carry continues we see their relationship another side to it we see their friendship more and, mm-hmm. and we start to see them having these conversations that maybe they haven't had before and you know talking about relationships and things and it's really nice to to see them give each other advice on those matters as yeah. well and to see the friendship aspect to their relationship is really yeah. nice but again with the with the conflict of 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 war and violence being pacifist that's a huge thing for for them both and especially for Denzel he he is giving up everything he's ever known to, to join the Continental Army, but it's he thinks it's absolutely the right thing to do. He really believes that liberty is a gift from God. And so he wants to put his skills as a surgeon to, to use and, and, and join the Continental Army and fight for independence. Um, so I think that we see a real struggle from him throughout the season, whether it was the right thing to do, a lot of guilt, you know, bringing Rachel into this world of violence and, and is it all worth it? And uh yeah, there's some... Even though she's well up for it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, couldn't keep her away. <laughs> I'm not you out of my sight. Yeah. <laughs> it is great how you all play with, of course, the historical part, fiction part. And, and and the historical part is what I'm trying to say and the American Revolution that's happening in there. And for as much empathy as these two people have for a time when that must have been a struggle... I mean, do you all have an opinion? Like, how do they hang on to that? Because these seem like genuinely good people. I think it's about trying to see the best in people. And I think Quakers fundamentally believe the good in people. And I think they follow lives that are very devout and peaceful. And I think they're striving for everybody to have inner peace. And I think that when they encounter these people who are really conflicted or violent, they're very understanding they always want to understand they might not agree but they'll understand and they are empaths and i think that they struggle when they come into contact with some of these people because they just they can't understand their way of life and it's so different to theirs Mm -hmm. and they're really at odds and and you do see them struggle with that but i think that they have so much they have such open minds they so want to understand and i think that's like a really unique thing and and i love that about them yeah definitely i mean and even though they're they're so devout, they're never judgmental of, of other people. They're never, you know, preachy or, or anything like that. And I think what's really interesting about uh, the Quaker faith is I think so, it's like some of them believe in heaven and others don't. And I think I think what a lot of them agree on is that it's about doing the most good you can in the world right now at the moment. This mm-hmm. life that you're living now, do as much good as you can and help as many other people. Um, and I think that's an, an ethos that... that Danny and, and Rachel share. Yeah. Good message to take right into the present and the future. Yes, exactly. Exciting. Yeah. And then and then I heard Izzy that your very first scene you got to shoot was the amputation scene. Is oh, that, that right? Wasn't my, that wasn't my first scene, but oh, it was okay. my first, it was in my first week. It was one of my first scenes. And um I'm a little bit squeamish. Um, That was an interesting experience. I was kind of gagging off camera while Jeremy was doing his surgeon-y things and I was assisting and the camera was kind of here downwards and I was like, 
<laughs> I was loving it. I was like getting all involved and like wanted to see what it was made of and everything. And you were just like, I no, none of it I'm yet. done. <laughs> so that's great though, because you think, you know, if you're in the inside game and the movie magic, you know, whatever, you, like it's not going to be as real. I love hearing that it still feels real like that. Oh yeah. They're yes. very, very talented, that department. Yeah. Everything feels too real. Yeah, too real. Like the organs are beating, the blood is... Blah, 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 blah. And then they like, and I was like, yeah, you're like, oh, that's so much done. worse. That is me done. <laughs> No. Yeah, I'll, I'll end with this one. Uh, you know, the big question, now that you've kind of been a part of this, you've seen how it works. If you could remake history, would you try? Oh, good question. Ooh, I think question. it's really dangerous to try and change history. I think that's what we always get taught in these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't history. really seem to end well if you uh, if you try and change it. So I think I... In, although there's things that I would like to change, I think I'd be scared that <laughs> my trying to change that would just be a domino effect, and like I'd just be putting out fires and be like, "Why did you even start?" Chaos. Yeah, chaos. Maybe I would have like helped people invent like nicer food. I would have brought salt to like people earlier on, so yes. their food wasn't so bland. <laughs> because I feel like that so, that can't really affect history, surely. But I'm like, but maybe it can. Maybe it can. A bit of salt in your stew in the yeah. 1900s. <laughs> <laughs> Goals right there. Thank you so much for taking the time. Congratulations on a fantastic season here with Outlander. So Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. And we'll be right back right after this. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com try. Go to shopify.com try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com try. Welcome back. Talking Season 7 of Outlander, and now time to make our way over to Meryl Davis, who's one of the producers of the show. Hi, Kyle. Kyle, there's so much to look out in your background. <laughs> I try to make it more interesting than just my face here. Some heroes all around. This Outlander Season 7, we've been so excited for this moment, and this is this is the supersized season, right? I mean, this yeah. is... We get explosive storylines. We get so much content that the fans have wanted. Uh, something this big, you know, and bigger than usual since since the last season was a cut a bit short. Uh, what's it been like to tackle tackle it this time? Maybe in contrast to the the past seasons. Uh, you know, every season I say the same thing that this season is the biggest season we've ever done, but it's usually true. Like I'm not actually lying, and this actually was true this year as well. It's like we have, you know non-spoilerly but we go to a lot of different areas a lot of um time periods and it was a heavy lift for our entire show i mean um it's 16 episodes we normally do 12 um but i was amazed this season about how energetic everyone was how excited it did not feel like we filmed for a year 
we just jam packed everything in there. And once again, there were story things we had to do um, based on the fact that we had so much to cram in and story decisions we had to make, but I'm super proud of the whole season and the whole crew. And it's one of our best seasons yet. That idea about what you have to let go. I mean, what, what, what can't be put in the TV show. That's, that's gotta be a hard decision. It is. And every season we struggle with it. You know, we start in the writer's room and we put up all the temple moments and we go, what do we have to have? And then you start going through and there are storylines you can't use. And, you know, some things I can't talk about till the back half, but um, you know, there are things I wish we could have done, but I think we also, I mean, we're for the first time, I think ever incorporating almost three books into one season. It's part of six, seven and eight. And that was a huge lift too, but we thought this would be our last season and and we tried to get everything in. Now thinking it's going to be your last season, of course, now, not to get ahead of ourselves, but it was announced that you get another season and that one will be the last season. Yes. So with the way you're talking, I can't. it doesn't sound like it, but was that on your mind at all? Like how you present the season, knowing that there's that story that, you know, well, you got to wrap we- it up at some point didn't know we were getting season eight until most of the way partially way through season seven we'd already written planned out season seven so we couldn't really alter it the story that much but it was a relief we did alter the end of season seven knowing now we have another season but most of the way through we thought oh we're not going to get in our season let's get as much in here as we can so um it's a relief to have one more season i mean and it puts off this idea of me getting sad that that's our last season well, what you get to still play around with and and the start, you know, I every time I, I, I see the show in every season, it's like it's, it's so impressive. The dance you do, you have these these tiny individual stories and, and plenty of them as we continue with the backdrop of one great big story with the Amer- uh, American Revolution. You know, on, on that part, how much do you service the bigger story? They, how important is it to service that bigger story? because we do have historical fiction going on here. Yeah. I mean, for us, we always, every time we approach one of these stories or, you know, a battle or anything like that, you know, there's only so much we're going to be able to pull off. You know, you've got a certain amount of shoot days, you've got a certain amount of money. For us, it's always the most important that we're doing it through the perspective of one of our characters. So, you know, each of the battles this season, we have it through the point of view of one of our characters and that personalizes it it makes you care a little bit more. It's not just a battle for battle's sake and and they are historical, but it makes you understand it more and from a perspective of something. And for someone like me who loves history, but can't remember it, actually, I think it's a great way to kind of invest in that battle and be like, oh, this is why it was important to this person, et cetera, et cetera. So I think we've tried to do that this season, I think to you know, a great effect. And I think it really works and, and individualizes each of the uh, battles as well. Well, on, on that opposite side, on the smaller stories, it's always, I, I always wonder if, if it's a coincidence or or just the natural thing, because in those small stories you get to tell, you also get to tell about the injustices uh, that played out back then, but that we're okay. still talking about today. Uh, women's rights, rape, uh, queer rights, et cetera, et cetera. When, when you're doing that and it's lining up with the cultural, you know, zeitgeist of what's happening right now, I mean, is that, is that do, do you plan that? I mean, how does that happen in, in such a way? Yeah, we don't plan it. And, you know, we try not to, for the most part, we try to present a story and not necessarily hit the audience over the head with it. Like we want you to take away your perspective of it. It's like there were things that happened that time, slavery, sexism. I mean, you name it, it was going on. Sadly, a lot of that stuff still happening, as you said, 
And so we're going to take as viewers in our current timeline, we're going to take our perspectives anyway and put that on. So for us, we try to do it from the character's point of view and not once again, you know, do it in a heavy handed way, present it as it is, and then have you take away your, your thoughts from that. I know this question's probably lurking all the time, but uh, you know, with those things in mind, we do get to see a point in this season where you can change the past. Like it can happen for you. Would you do it? Would you go, would you try to change the past? I think, I mean, you know, I think about this all the time. Like if I had a chance to go back and kill Hitler, would I? And um, the only thing I would say is if we learn anything from Outlander, it's that history does have a way of happening anyway, despite us trying to change it. And that's what we've kind of seen here that we're all part of this fabric that might not be able to change things. So as much as I'd like to do that, I do often wonder if it would make a difference if somehow he would have, someone else would have risen. Do you know what I mean? It's like certain things are going to happen anyway. It's just how you get there. Uh, I'll quickly, as I'm surrounded here by these posters, hit on the music too, because we get this beautiful version of Ave Maria. Yes. Uh, that Claire is singing. How do you all pick the music? Obviously, you don't have as many choices in songs as you might today with the uh, the old <laughs> folk songs. But but how does that side of it work? Well, we always, I mean, there's certain things from the book and that was a book thing. So we always knew we wanted to do it and Katrina was up for it, thankfully. But there are different, I mean, we're pretty traditional. There is one um, music thing that will come up this season um, that I'm not going to spoil that we'll talk about once it happens that we kind of stepped outside the lines a little bit. Um, but usually we're fairly traditional. We work with a great composer, Barry McCrary and his team. And it's rare that we... You know, once again, most of our stuff is score. So, um, but every once in a while we have a chance to do something like that with Katrina and like, you know, this season already with Sinead O'Connor. I mean, come on. I, I yeah. mean, seven season in and you have this like icon singing your your um, theme song. It's like, we, I already knew this was going to be a great season. Unmistakable boy. And oh one God. of the, how did you like, what? Who, who called that one? So Matt Roberts, myself, who's the showrunner, and myself and Barry McCrary and Alicia, who's our post producer, we're all talking about it. And we wanted kind of like to bring in non-spoilery, but the 80s part of it, uh, the story as well. And um, we were like, oh, it'd be cool to have an 80s icon. And we were like, you know what, Annie Lennox or, or um, Sinead O'Connor. And Bear was like, I actually know Sinead's manager. And we were like, huh, like she's going to do it. And he called her or him or whoever the manager was. And Sinead actually was very interested in doing it. She, I, I'm not sure she's going to do publicity, but she said she really connected with Claire's story. Um, and I know it was kind of like meant to be and um, too good to be true. But when I heard her sing that theme song, I was like, man, that's amazing. Yeah, it's chills. It really is. Oh and God. Maybe sets the bar for that final season of who could oh do it. Oh my God, I don't even know what we're going to do. I mean, <laughs> uh, I don't even want to think about it. Yeah, I can't wait to see where this one uh, continues to go, Meryl. Thank you so yeah. much for all that you've been doing. And uh, thanks for taking the time to talk thanks. about it. Good to talk to you. And my thanks to the uh, everybody involved with the cast of Outlander. Again, David Barry, John Bell, Charles Vander Art, Joey Phillips, Izzy Muller-Small, and Meryl Davis. And thanks to you, of course, for checking out the episode. Please do hit that subscribe button before you get out of here. That way you can keep up with all the interviews that I put out every single week. A new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to keep you up to date on your favorite uh, artists. And discover some new ones at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, NPR, WFBK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith With. 
And after that, head over to WFPK.org. It's where I do a show Monday through Friday, starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. It's uh, song premieres and music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews. We play a lot of old favorites and new cuts as well. In fact, a, a recent episode featured the music of uh, Billie Holiday, Astro, Gilberto, Brittany Davis, Roxy Music, Kate Bush, Bjork, Crowded House, Spoon, Jason Isbell, Fleetwood Mac, Tom Petty, The Kinks, Portishead, The National, Pretenders, Pearl Jam, The Clash, uh, The Watson Twins, and my interview with actors Wyatt Olaf and Chase Suey Wonders as we talked about the uh, Apple TV Plus series called City on Fire. That was just a recent episode uh, that you can hear, all this type that you can hear anyway, uh, every weekday at 6 p.m. at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. Of course, you can also find me on the social media spots. That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All three of them. The address is at Kyle Meredith. So I do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith, and I'll see you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Consequence Podcast Network. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media.